0: Okay We're back Season 5 Unstandardized English With Dr. J.P.B. Gerald Okay So, we are back here with Season 5. Alright, sorry, continuing. Um, So, Dr. J.P.B. Gerald here, I am the host of Unstandardized English, and you are hearing this after my book, Antisocial Language Teaching, English and the Pervasive Pathology of Whiteness has either won or lost the British Academy of Applied Linguistics Book Prize for 2023. I don't know. The announcement was made on August 24th. Um, If you follow me, you know what happened. I'm putting. You also might know that my next book either has or hasn't been commissioned yet, so I don't know. I'm recording this in uh, early August, but anyway, just gonna do a little bit more of a. I'm still gonna do my global tour of whiteness in this show. Still gonna do talk about race and racism. That's my expertise. But on this show, we talk about uh, justice for the racially, linguistically, and neurologically minoritized. And I'm gonna talk more about ADHD here. Um, it comes up a lot. Um, obviously I'll talk about racism I'll still talk about language because that's also the way that I analyze the world Um, but yeah, it's gonna be a lot about ADHD And still about whiteness and still about language But, you know, maybe more on the ADHD front Today we have, uh, Elise Pricer She's a friend of mine She used to be a Mormon And she's gonna talk about whiteness and Mormonism We don't talk about religion much here Because I don't have the expertise But she does Um, she also has ADHD So, uh, you know should be an interesting conversation uh we'll put the information about my book in the, in the links uh but otherwise after today i think i might move on from the book as a link um and go from there enjoy the episode
1: Don't have um yes, I'm aware of that, thank you. Um they don't have any doctrinal knowledge and saying that is giving me the ick because that is a deeply Mormon phrase, doctrinal knowledge. But it's true because the mainstream perception of Mormonism, like if you went up to somebody on the street and you were like, All right, name three give us three words that describe Mormons to you, like the first word would probably be nice. You hear that a lot. uh, white would probably be in there somewhere and polygamy. Those are kind of the hallmarks that people get into when they think of Mormonism. And while I understand that, it's kind of impressive how we've gotten away with polygamy being like the weird thing, because there's so much worse. Oh, elder. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Or um musical would probably be the other one that people would get into. Um, because honestly like as weird as polygamy is like that is really the 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 top of the barrel not the bottom but the top like you're skimming the surface of how weird and deeply American and white supremacist really this religion and this belief system really can be and because I know that you wanted to talk about Mormon whiteness right but what is whiteness without white supremacy and Mormonism is a great example of that. You know, the two can't exist without each other, because one was created to base the other one on.
2: Well, if you read that book I keep trying to get you to read... Um, it's on see, the
1: shelf. It's on the shelf. I can hold it up.
2: <laughs> you'll see that... It's. I have I, it in my hands.
1: Yeah. That's at the back.
2: <laughs> you'll see that, just as you said, that, like, there is no difference between whiteness and white supremacy, because... Yeah. Whiteness was created to be supreme.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It wasn't just a description of skin color, right? Yeah. There've always been descriptions of skin color mm-hmm. since there've been people. Um, yeah. People describe each other, but like, and there's always been, you know, we might better describe it as xenophobia back then. Yeah, like you know, a fear we, of the outside. Yeah, yeah d- didn't like the people from over there, but it was less because of their skin color. And more, and because of these people are from the warm area or some weird shit like that. Yeah. You know? Um, it's actually pretty funny when you look at like the way Romans thought about people. They're just like, oh, they're from the the climate of this. It <laughs> <And>, uh,
1: <laughs> <Get laughs> rains over there. They're weird.
2: Yeah. Um. But by the time Mormonism was created, we had a country that was founded on whiteness being supreme yeah now, to be clear, this is not the only country where that was true, but it's in our constitution, yeah, so it's in there, yeah, it's like right there, in the sense of like who's allowed to vote, et, cetera, et cetera. so things changed, obviously, but when the Constitution was written, it was white land owning males, right,
1: yeah,
2: and um, so this is the environment that Mormonism was birthed into, and into which it grew um and you know the as you were saying the impression people have of mormonism is like those things you mentioned polygamy et cetera. but the impression i have yes those things but also a bit a bit isolationist
1: yeah i would say that's very accurate um and the way that church leaders would put this of course is that we are so separate from and I keep saying we not that I personally identify with the church anymore, but, you know, this is the language that I heard from the time I was conscious enough to internalize these things. And um, so that's kind of what I'll say is we because I was a part of this group for so long um, is that we are so separate from the world in so many ways because we have a truth, right? We have a truth that separates us from other people. And in some ways does make us better, which is a very white supremacist line of thought anyway. But it makes us different. And you hear this phrase a lot is be in the world, but not of the world. So Mormonism tries to embrace this sense of differentness and isolation and social isolation often as not a function of it being a high demand religion, but a function of the fact that we should be that way, because that's what God wants.
2: So I think about that, and I think about, like, Amish people, right, and -hmm. the difference. Yeah. Now, Amish people are obviously pretty white, you know, German, Dutch, all that. But um, when I've met people who were either Amish or Mennonites, which I know are not the same thing, but a lot of the similar, um, similar vibe. Yeah. I remember I was in California, your state, mm-hmm. and I took the train from Oakland to LA because I'm such a train boy. And <laughs> uh
1: boy loves trains.
2: Yeah. Um and there were some more not more, um there were some Amish people on the train. And I'm like like I'm just like, I gotta ask these people like, how are you allowed to do this? Yeah. Why are you <laughs> this, here? And, this is and not, why are you this, on this, this is train? A, this is not a steam train. No. Right? No. So I asked them, and then they told me, which is true, it's not recommended that they use electricity, but the true rule is don't bring it into their community. So if you leave the community, and that's just how things are, like, they're not so ridiculous that they can't, like, get on a plane and go to a different country if that's what their particular thing requires. They're not going to swim. You yeah. Know? Um and I did it's not like you meet a lot of Amish people. There's not that many of them and they're pretty isolationist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But,
1: they're more isolationist <laughs> than Mormons.
2: But I have never gotten the impression that they think they're better than we are. No. I mean, they think that they're way of life is better everyone thinks their own way of life is the best but i yeah. just mean in the sense that they don't think that they are better humans than we are and i am saying that as a contrast between the isolationism of mormonism and the isolationism of amish people it's like the, the isolation of amish people and i'm not saying this as an amish scholar for anyone listening to me who are just like you don't know what the fuck <laughs> you're talking about <laughs> although i guess there wouldn't be any amish people listening to me Right? That's true.
1: They can't say anything. They can't hop on Twitter and be like, actually, um, I have thoughts.
2: You mean X. <laughs> it's X. Remember, it's not Twitter anymore. I... It's X.
1: Forgive me for the language, but I could not give less of a fuck about what Elon Musk wants. I... If he wants to fight me, we can meet in the middle. He's in Alameda County. We could We could fight if he wants to do that, but I don't think he does. So.
2: just... It's just so ridiculous. Anyway. He's the
1: stupidest man ever, anyway. <laughs> Irrelevant. Time um, to talk about more stupid men.
2: But anyway, the point is there's there's a creepiness I find with the <laughs> transition um to to Mormonism because I do feel like there's this domineering, this this when I say Americanness, is that you know, this this um this enforced hierarchy that which is obviously patriarchal, but it's not just patriarchal, you know, there's obviously a, a race thing to it. There's other things to it. And so when, and i told you this, but for people listening, I grew up in Manhattan and Brooklyn and Mormons own my dad's building. I didn't know that till I was older. Cause like when I was a kid, I wasn't like who owns your building dad. But like I found out that the Mormon church owned the building. Cause there's a Mormon church or a Mormon temple down the block and so there were always mormons in my building and i didn't understand why there were so many i was like i figured out pretty early that there were mormons in the building when i was like 10 i was like why do they have elder on their shirt dad he explained um and i'm like all right whatever you know but like there were so many (laughs) i was like like, that's a lot it's a lot for manhattan but then i figured it out later but they own the building. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. So they, like, reserved apartments for, like, their members, right? Which, I don't know if they still do that, if they sold it, because, like, there was a time when you could afford that. It's like $5,000 a month now to live there. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess if they own the building, it doesn't really matter.
1: But that's a different conversation. (laughs) Um, But I'm just
2: saying, if they own the building, I guess it's not $5,000 a month. It's their own building, right? Yeah. But anyway,
1: but yeah, um, and as as I was thinking about this more, you said that it that Mormonism came to be in an America that was already white supremacist, and while that's completely true, I think so I'm gonna be talking a lot about this, and I apologize in advance, but I think it is necessary because not a lot of people have access to this level of knowledge, not in like a Mormons are keeping it secret way, because I don't really think that's true, but in a, most people haven't number one, had to take this information in and number two, haven't had the time and the space to reflect on it the way that I have. Not that that's a privilege. It's kind of a burden and a terrible thing actually. But because when you look at the book of Mormon, right, if you view it as being of God, that is a very different perspective than when you consider it as being from the mind of a white man in the 1800s who held these deeply American, deeply racist beliefs, right? And when you look into the Book of Mormon, it is essentially pre-Jesus, proto-Bible fan fiction. And that sounds stupid, but I wish I was kidding, because it essentially follows... Um, Starting with a family of people that are meant to be proto-Middle Eastern, question mark, um, fleeing the area and leaving for what is meant to be America with all of the hijinks that come along with it. And later on, stories are told about the descendants of these people and in many ways, when you look at the Book of Mormon and you break down what it is, you realize that this is really what comes from the brain of somebody who has read the Bible, right, and is racist. <laughs> like, those are the two things that you have to put together to create this book. Because, number one, we have the Cain and Abel trope of good and evil brothers. We have Nephi and his brother Sam, who are the good brothers. And we have... um Laman and Lemuel, who are the bad brothers, and the descendants of Laman and Lemuel are cursed to have dark skin, and are essentially I the look you're giving me right now. They are essentially they they are just framed of the um, ancestors of Native American people. And throughout the narrative of the Book of Mormon, you have the righteous people, the good people, um, constantly enacting just the most basic colonialist tropes on these people. Um, Attempting to convert them, saying that they are inherently evil, saying that their cultural differences are what make them evil, saying that because they don't wear proper clothing, they're evil, because they have dark skin, they're evil, because their women are sexual tempters, they are evil. Um, and you see repeated narratives over and over again of missionaries coming to save these people from their own wickedness, to convert them to God, to convert them to Christ. And this is done... Over and over again in such a way where if you legitimately believe that these things come from God, right? Like if you, if you believe that this is the message of God, that this was written by and translated by a servant of God, the only conclusion you can come to is God is incredibly racist. And I don't believe in God, but I don't believe that's true.
2: Well... Well, now we're talking about some real American shit because yeah, that's America. The way that, yeah, the way that Americans use their interpretation of scripture to justify their racism is part of why it took so long to get rid of slavery. Yeah, right, because they said that well, God said X, Y, and Z, and what's interesting about the Bible, which like as literature is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Like it's like anthropology as like history is pretty interesting because like yeah. the the magic didn't happen. But like some of the stuff happened, mm-hmm. like, you know, those plagues happened. They just didn't happen like that. But like there's records of like, why were there locusts? Yeah, locusts happen every year, but there were more that year. And so they wrote about it. Right. It's like, why were there what was their blood in the, the water? It wasn't blood. It was like red algae. Right? Mm-hmm. But, like, it looked like blood. <laughs> like, why were there frogs? Well, what happened is that the red algae was poisonous so the frogs died. Yeah. You know, it's like, like... But, like, all these things There's happening. There's logical activity.
1: explanations for these things that are described as being acts of God. Right. Divine. Yeah.
2: So, you know, as history, it's fascinating. And not just the things happening, but the way that just lay people understood the history to be happening is pretty interesting um but when you understand that it is lay people right mm-hmm. and i consider most clergy to be lay people they're not necessarily experts in anything <laughs> you can to be clear a clergy a clergy person can be a theologian but you yeah. are not necess- you are not necessarily a theologian by being a clergy person yeah right well, that's, you, yeah. you can you can be so i don't mean to say that no clergy are experts but you are not necessarily trained in the studies <laughs> and the expertise you can be but yeah. anyway um and i say this because i have m- many clergy in my family i'm not trying to pretend otherwise that they can't know anything I don't, I don't know why i'm sitting here like you can't see me um <laughs> like it's just top of my head um anyway so buck was saying um the bible interesting right so when you think about the bible and you think about what it means what represents and the way that it's been used for all sorts of terrible things Mm -hmm. especially in this country not just not especially but definitely in this country yeah and then i think about the black church and how the black church has used the Bible, not, not only for good things, to be clear, but, like, as a, a sense of solidarity. Like when I went to a family reunion two weeks ago, you know, they were all either in the church or very connected to the church and a lot of pastors in my family, you know, um, the only other doctor in my family, which is not a Gerald, so I'm still the first Dr. Gerald, um, was a theologian. Yeah. Um, he was also a Tuskegee Airman. So like, I got a, I got a ways to go to catch him in terms of influence, but.
1: <laughs> He's feeding you by a little bit. He just, just, just a smidge. But yeah. there's, um,
2: but anyway, the point is what I wish people would understand is how just if you took a step back, the way I look at it, all these things is as literature that all literature, all art is to be interpreted. Yeah. Right. When you get to be textual about it and like you can't interpret, there's no words that cannot be interpreted.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Right. It's, it's the difference between AI and the rest of us and why as much as people are whatever about it, like it's just regurgitating the interpretation is what we're doing because mm-hmm. we have our own lens. And I find it fascinating to use my lens, but a lot of people. Just reject the existence of lenses, which you can only do if you're fucking white.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's completely true. Um, And it is interesting that you mentioned the idea of clergymen not inherently being experts on religion, because in Mormonism, that could not be more accurate. Um, So the structure essentially means that um, there are several congregations within what's called a stake, which... The closest comparison I've seen is a Catholic diocese and within each ward, which is a certain area of a certain population, um, there's a bishop. And that's kind of the, the level one. That's your guy. If you're in the ward, you talk to him and this could literally be anyone. I can't emphasize that enough. This guy could be a dentist. He could. He could be a teacher. He could be a lawyer. He could be anything. He could be a good guy or he could be a bad guy and because of that you see a lot of people try to say it's not the church it's the people in it and you're like well i don't know how to tell you that one creates the other and feeds on the other and they're like well you only left the church because somebody in the church hurt your feelings (laughs) um and i mean
2: sorry go ahead
1: oh well if you have something to say go ahead we're all going to be interrupting each other it's the adhd
2: yeah um i think about it a lot with my writing and the work that i try to do with what i'm doing now right is that Mm -hmm. like i truly believe that the problems in the world are mostly systematic right they're both they're both systematic and systematized like this Mm -hmm. wasn't an accident and that's what makes them so intractable you know yeah but on the other hand systems don't consume content right like it's still a group of individuals consuming content and when I used to work at my last job and I worked not for but adjacent to the city government like the city government had its many issues but it was still several thousand individuals and the more I worked there the more I realized that like the majority of them were trying to do the right thing they really I may not agreed with what the right thing was.
1: They were trying to do it, though, in their yeah. own twisted way.
2: Right. I mean, like, but I'm talking about the workers. The directors were a whole other level of bullshit. Yeah. But, like, the the workers actually were trying to help citizens. They just didn't have the power to do so. So the point is, it's like, where do you find that balance? I know it's a system, but it's a system run by people. You know? Um, by the way, folks, I know that I started in the middle of this is because I forgot to press record, and uh, so you got the middle. <laughs> you missed the first minute of the conversation. It'll be okay. You'll figure it out.
1: <laughs> I'm. So I think last time, the thing that I started off with was probably the most. I don't want to say publicized because I actually don't know how many average people actually know about this or understand the implications of it. I think, again, because the surface level perception of Mormonism is so both accurate and inaccurate in many ways, where it's the most surface level perception of it, which is what you're going to get if you ask random people what they think. But it misses so many of the parts that are bad. (laughs) Um, And that. That thing which I'm talking about is the priesthood ban. And, um, I did get a snip from Wikipedia, like just to confirm what I'm talking about, because I wanted to see if, to confirm to myself that it was actually as bad and as broad as it was. Um, so when I say priesthood, that is believed to be in the church, the ability to act with the power of God to do things like marry people, bless babies, um, baptize people, and preside over groups, right? And this is something that is afforded only to men, naturally, which is a different point of contention and conflict. And so the implications of this are so much worse than just Black men. This was a ban on Black men holding the priesthood, for the record. Um And this existed from 1852 to 1978. So just for context, my mother was born in 1978. And she's turning 45 later this year. So it has been 45 years that Black men have been able to essentially fully participate as members of the church. And... That, like, there's not really words for that and what that means. Because I was thinking about it and the, 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 the implications of this, right? So black men were not allowed to um, baptize their own children, which is considered very often a familial bonding point. You're most often baptized by your father or a male family member. Um, um, any white man. Over the age of twelve immediately has more power or had more power over any black man in the church. Because it, the age of twelve is it's kind of akin to a bot mitzvah where you kind of become an adult man. That's when you receive the ironic priesthood and you're allowed to start participating in passing the sacrament. Um, so any black any white child over the age of twelve had more power and authority than in the church than a black man of any age. Um, you could not get married in the church. You could not And by that, I mean you couldn't get married in the temple, which is the only kind of marriage the church cares about. You could not be a bishop. You cannot give blessings to your own children, which is a very common thing to do when you're sick or at the beginning of a school year. You are almost functionally not even a man in the eyes of the church. So much of what it means to be a man in the church is tied to having a priesthood, that it's almost as if black men were cut off from being men and of course this had consequences for black women they also could not participate in temple ordinances and also couldn't get married in the church obviously which is so the the mormon celestial heaven system has three heavens and i'm not kidding there's the terrestrial kingdom the telestial and the celestial which is you know your goal or you know the hypothetical goal and in order to enter into that kingdom upon your death within this theological construct, you have to be buried in the temple. So they are, this was putting a whites only sign on heaven. This was putting a whites only sign on access to God and access to Jesus and happiness. And the, I, and I will say, I have met personally maybe one black family in the church. In my time in the church. And I don't live in a particularly, um, I don't live in an area with a lot of black people per se. However, you see them when you walk outside. You know, it's not like this is an entirely white part of the state by any means. And I don't know how you can Exists within a system like that. That is an elective choice, right? To participate in a church and to begin that process of conversion is a choice that you make. I don't, I, I do not envy the burden and the pain that Black members of the church carry with them at all times. I can't imagine it.
2: You know, I think about that because I think about like, what are the systems in which we are forced to participate, and what are the systems in which we choose to participate? Right. Mm-hmm. So I think about like public school. I mean, obviously you can go to private school, but I just mean it says that you have to go to school, right? Yeah. I mean, I know you yeah, you can be homeschooled. You you know what I mean. You have to go to yeah. school to some extent, right? You gotta get
1: in, yeah. You gotta learn how to read.
2: Right. Um. Not just for functionality, but like legally, you gotta go to school, mm-hmm. right? And so. When I think about the desegregation of schools by law, like, that was something we didn't really have a choice. Like, the, the fact that they didn't fund our schools mattered because you got go to go school, mm-hmm. right? Um, whereas you think about church, you really can make your own place. Like, a lot of the Black Baptist Church and so forth, like, those are... What it who said it? don't remember who said it, but like the most segregated hour in the in the in the week is Sunday morning or something yeah. like that, right? yeah, you know, um, but you can make your own spaces for church mm-hmm. within within certain religions, and then I think about living spaces right mm-hmm. I'm conflicted about this what I'm about to say. Is that like in a smaller location? So like not a large city. So I don't, I don't mean a New York or anything. I mean like in a in a suburb or something, right? Mm-hmm. Do you like it? Should obviously something like a sundown town shouldn't exist, but yeah. like. You know, I'm up two minds. Like, for myself, I don't want to be that first black person on the block. Yeah. On the other hand, someone is going to. Because at some point, that block is going to integrate to some extent. And someone's going to be first. Mm-hmm. And, like. And sometimes I think the people who are determined to be. They, my point is there are times when you have no choice but to be first like when a school integrates right yeah i'm not saying it's easy but like you know little rock and all that shit right mm-hmm. sometimes because you gotta go to school and then there's times when you're making the choice to open that door and like i don't know like one of the things i was just talking about with a couple of my my sports friends recently was that people forget that jackie robinson was not just a trailblazer but also like really fucking good at baseball
1: yeah and he had to be he had to <laughs> right. be
2: right but like he was the first but like to get very nerdy for you this may not even be for you but anyone listening if people know baseball statistics if you look up a particular group of statistics, and for my listeners, I'm sure two of you are understanding what I'm about to say. The best second baseman in on base percentage and on base percentage plus slugging since Jackie Robinson is Jackie Robinson. <laughs> so the point is, he was the best at his position since he, it, since since him. Right? Yeah. But on the other hand, like, who else, like, Imagine going through that. And and I'm not saying it's the same thing as an entire sport when you enter a church or whatever, but it's just like, this is not 1842. You don't have to be in the church if you don't want to be. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I don't understand. I don't get it.
1: I, I can't say that I, well, so I will say this. There were black members starting from kind of the very beginning of the church. Um, Because it did start in upstate New York, which is obviously a free state at the time. And eventually, you know, progressed to being a free state when that became a relevant point of discourse. Um, So black people had always existed within the church. And this was a conscious decision made to exclude them from systems of power while they were already there. So there had been black church members this entire time, and they had been isolated and they had been kept from these things that are considered fundamentals of the church, things that are considered not that are not even a question. Um, And I have to and I can't directly compare this to my own experiences, but it is a similar cognitive dissonance and discomfort in knowing um, that you do not belong in a space, and knowing that from a very young age, because even when I was like five years old, I was a weird fucking kid, and I would have these these moments of kind of staring into space and wondering, um, can I do this? Can I be this person that I'm told that I'm supposed to be, that I'm that I'm being guided towards becoming by this church and by what I'm being taught and what I'm being told and I remember my internal conclusion being no and I just kind of shoved that away and I didn't think about it because that was such a scary thought to confront even as a hypothetical that I didn't want to because that's where my family was that's where my friends were and that was where I was told that if I did these things I would be loved And that is a very powerful thing for a child, right? That is the whole goal of a child. You're like, I'm trying to get people to love me and care for me. That is why I am here. That's the goal. Um, And to break away from that is a very scary thing. But, of course, when I got older and I had to confront um, queerness and what that meant for me, what it meant for me as a member of the church.
2: You woke up. I'm coming back. Didn't actually wake up. He just made noise in his sleep. But then I spilled my drink and I had to clean it up.
1: Okay, <laughs> but um, yeah. As I came to the realization that I was bisexual and that was something that could not exist within the structure of the church that I had wanted to believe in, wanted to believe in, and wanted to be a part of. Um, it. In some ways, I'm very grateful for it because it led me to kind of have one foot out the door. Um, and once the pandemic started and I was, well, we hadn't attended church for probably a couple of years before that. Once my parents split up and I was no longer attending church regularly, I was able to do the rest of the work internally. And in many ways, it is a good thing that I did it when I did, because I can't imagine how much of a complicated and scary thing it would have been to try to disconnect myself from a church and a way of life that I had based my marriage on, that I had raised children in, that I had built an extended community with. Um, and there are queer people who stay in the church. I can't say that I understand why. But I think when you have... Put your trust into something and wanted to believe, right? Wanted to believe so badly and believed for all intents and purposes. You did believe, you know, I did believe for a while. It is very difficult to move yourself away from that system, even if you can see where it is harming you. And that's true of a lot of systems, you know, um, abusive relationships. You can tell somebody you can you can be hurt by somebody over and over again. But what will get you to leave is probably not just going to be that. You have to reflect on yourself and whether that is worth it to you and whether that is too much for you. Um, And I did call the church a high demand religion, which I mostly said because the word cult is kind of questionable at the moment. And I feel like that is actually the best way to describe it. Because it does take up um most of your life like church used to be three hours it's now two hours which is still a pretty long time you have youth activities during the week if you're a teenager you have various other committees and small things that you might be involved in as an adult you have a calling maybe like you could be the chorister. you could have ward choir practice it is intended to consume so much of your life it is intended for you to feel like everything about you is tied to the church because that is what makes it the hardest to leave. Because even now, even as I've witnessed members of a community that felt so loving and that I thought was so supportive of me um, be so terrible in so many ways on so many occasions, I still sometimes miss that community or I at least miss what I perceived as a supportive community, which is really the
2: saddest thing. There's I mean there's gay Republicans, too, so you know, yeah. um <laughs> <laughs> there's also black Republicans, I don't know, man, um I find it all kind of sad, I don't have a very profound thing to say about it because. I think sometimes, right. A big part of why I didn't do the, like, so the ironic thing is that I work for a company that does finance. Now I don't do finance. I do education, but like they are a nonprofit lender. Right. Yeah. Um, But like the reason they pay as well is because they believe, especially for their finance people, like, they're not going to get the best people if they don't pay equivalent to standard financial services companies. So our like benchmarking is financial services, which is good. It's not nonprofits because nonprofits don't fucking pay. Yeah. Um, so this is one of the things that I learned. Like this whole sector is like, oh, oh, this whole sector like they actually pay. Oh. Um. So I say that to say, I didn't want to do finance work after college, like all my friends, because like, you don't have to be an English, uh, uh sorry, an economics major. They will fucking train you. They just want you to be able to be smart. Right? Yeah. So like, you know, mm-hmm. Goldman and all that shit, like you don't really have to be a finance major. Like they'll train you to be an analyst. You know? Have you ever seen that show industry on HBO? No. Like, it, yeah. So anyway, and a lot of my classmates did that. And I didn't want to do it. Not only, in retrospect, would I have been bad at the actual work, which is a separate issue to what I'm saying, but I wouldn't have enjoyed it. And I knew I wouldn't enjoy it, so I didn't do it. But the problem um, is I didn't have another plan. So my bad, my dad was mad because, like, he would have accepted me doing something else if I had a plan, but I never not have a fucking plan.
1: That's my favorite <laughs> thing. Dads need their like. Do you have a four hundred one k? Are you saving? Are you investing? Yeah. What's your stocks like? That's just such a dad thing to do.
2: So that's how I ended up in Korea because I was on his couch and he was mad at me, and so I left. I gotta go. <laughs> yeah, he's like, you need to get a job. I said. Well, oh, I'll, I'll get a job. And I You're went like as a far I'm the as possible. <laughs> I left, the, I left the hemisphere.
1: <laughs> yeah. He said, fuck this. I'm going over there.
2: So anyway. So for the I went to Korea for two years and I came back. And yes, this entire story is in the book. Um, and then, you know, I sort of worked part-time jobs for several years. Until I got a non-profit job, which was stable, but not well-paying. And so, until I got, not this job. My last job paid well enough. The one where I was working with, but not for the government, it paid well enough. It was nothing I was, like, ashamed of, salary-wise. But this job, like, I'm in a good place. And now that I'm not stressed about it, anxious about my professional position, right, I can look back and I look back and I think about like these fucking assholes in college who were mean to me to the point where my my wife is still like, Justin, why are you still thinking about them? Um, Like. Feel like a lot of the reason that I didn't do that. Is because of the ADHD, and I'm black too. But like in this particular case, is because of the ADHD. In the sense of like, you know, I didn't fit in socially, Mm -hmm. and because I didn't fit in, they made fun of me. They were they would exclude me from things, whatever. Yeah. And so then I knew they were all doing that, and I said, I don't want to fucking deal with these people anymore. Like I'm done with these people. And I just wonder what like you're talking about being queer. I wonder like counterfactual. I don't have ADHD, right? Still
0: mm-hmm. black,
2: but there's always a couple of black people at these companies. Um, I'm able to, I either don't have ADHD or it's less severe. And my ADHD, and I don't know how to measure this, but like certain aspects of it are severe, certain aspects of it are not.
1: Well, yeah, that's that's probably the most accurate way to describe neurodivergence. Because you do hear a lot like, oh, he has severe Um, Look at
2: this. Look at this. Look at this. Yeah,
1: that's going to be a 10 on the ADHD Richter scale for sure.
2: Look at this necklace. (laughs) Do you understand what this is? This is a necklace that my wife got me. For Father's Day, and it says New York City Transit. It's like a token from when they used to have tokens. I asked, she told me, I was like, "You give me whatever you want." She's like, "Give me a list." I was like, "Fine." And this is like a, I found it. It's like a like a really designed thing, and, and there's like a a token, an old school New York City subway token in this ring. Do you see the token? I lost the fucking token. <laughs> it fell oh, out. <laughs> Today,
1: yes.
2: it no. fell out today.
1: <laughs> Getting her giving you the gift respectfully, that was it. Was like I said, ten on the neurodivergent scale. Like you, you hit the chart. You kept going. Yeah. Losing the token, I think if you said that to a psychiatrist, they're like, I need to give you Adderall immediately. I skip everything. But, Where's the vibe? I didn't,
2: I didn't lose it. It just fell out. It fell out. Like I didn't do anything. Like it just, if like it fell out. I ordered a new token. They're only $5. I'm going to replace the token. Like. <laughs> but <laughs> Oh my god.
1: <laughs> that that could not be a more ADHD thing. Any aspect of that. You 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 could not make that up if you tried.
2: Like well, and yeah. I've been trying to take care of it. Because yeah, I, it was, get, it was getting support. dirty. And what actually happened is it was getting, she saw it was getting dirty. She's like, you should clean it. So I cleaned yeah. it. And I think what happened is because I cleaned it so much, it was like shiny. It was like slippery. Oh, so yeah. the to- token fell out. Yeah. This um, is, this because, because the explanation because I, like I, I, I took it out to clean it. She saw me do this uh-huh. because it was like rusty mm-hmm. and I put it back in and it's just like, it probably wasn't as flush, you know. Anyway, <laughs> what were we talking about?
1: <laughs> well, it's, I mean, I think oh, right. so, more.
2: Not, not, I remember now. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, I think about my identity and if my identity were either different or in such a way that I could swallow it. Right. And I think the more realistic thing is it being in such a way that I could swallow it. S- such a counterfactual of my ident- identity and just not having it. It's just not useful to think about. But that like, wouldn't
1: be that wouldn't be Justin. Right. It would be the same person. You know.
2: So for you, it would be something where you just like you could deal with not I expressing your credit. I could be well, straight. Str- i like, you could be queer. You could just <sighs> not date someone who isn't a man. Right. You know what I'm saying? I hate worse then, than just Right. <laughs> But you see what I'm saying, like theoretically within, within your sexuality, you could just date men. Right? Mm-hmm.
1: And that's, that's what um, I thought I would have to do for the rest of my life.
2: Right. So I'm saying if you're in a situation where that's not that big of a deal for you, where there's certain aspects of your sexuality where like, that's more, you know, maybe you're more into certain aspects of men than women or something. I mean, I'm not, just, you get my point, right? Where I could swallow, I could swallow these issues about myself, right? Yeah. You know, I'd have more money. I'm in a good place now, but like the past decade. But I wouldn't have met my wife. You know, you're getting sliding doors about it, right? You know, um. but like. I say. Would I wouldn't I be happier? And again, I'm not talking about my because like obviously my actual son wouldn't exist. I'd have a different son, probably. Right. But like wouldn't I be happier if I've been able to swallow this part of my identity? But then I think about it and I'm like, if if I'm me, right? Mm -hmm. And the only difference is I'm able to swallow it more. Would I truly be happier or would I just be running away from misery? Because that's what I think. And I think that a lot of people in these situations and you know, I'm not talking people who come from poverty where they're like, they just gotta do what they gotta do. But I think there's a lot of people in standardized situations, be it jobs, suburbs, whatever. And I talk about this in my, in my book, but more importantly in my dissertation about the master narrative, right? Like doing what what you think you're supposed to do. And that the master narrative works for very few people. It, it, it works for a lot of people financially, but like mm-hmm. spiritually or whatever, it, it doesn't work for most people. And I think a lot of people understand that. I think that there, I have no way to prove what I'm about to say, but I think there are a lot of interpersonal conflicts that are caused by one or both parties discomfort with their role in the master narrative you know yeah. if you are living in a like, suburban life and you're just miserable but you can't admit that you're not comfortable because like think about it how are you going to say your life is bad you got the house you got the family you got the job right but you don't feel right well, who's going to you know I mean, is I that, yeah, right. You know, sometimes I think I'm again. I'm not complaining about my own life, but I can see how someone. I can see that it happens. Let's put it that way.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I will say that the the Mormon master narrative, to borrow that phrase, is probably one of the strictest um, narratives to fit into. Because not only does it kind of require whiteness, it also requires being straight or at the very least foregoing your sexuality entirely, at least in a way that feels comfortable to you if you are any flavor of queer. Um, In particular, there's uh, something that is called a mixed orientation marriage, where if you are gay, usually I've only really seen this with gay men, I'm sure it happens with lesbians. Um, where they marry a woman and simply pretend like they're not gay or they say I'm gay, but I'm married to a woman and I'm having children because that's what I'm supposed to do. Um, and then, of course, it even bleeds into more mundane things like not drinking coffee, not drinking alcohol, not using drugs of any kind, abstaining from sex until marriage, um, dressing a certain way. Um, in particular for women, that mold is incredibly difficult to fit into, um prioritizing marriage and children above basically everything else there is really no person from what i can gather who feels like they are doing enough within that mold of the church and particularly women i'm sure there's plenty of mormon men who think they are just like top dog best father in the world who are pieces of shit the reality is that this burden falls mostly on queer people people of color women disabled people within the church who are already lacking an aspect of what makes up this narrative of a good person you know a holy person the right kind of person um and like as you were saying how you kind of got teased by these guys for having adhd and sticking out in that way um this is kind of a semi-common occurrence. If a girl, like, if there's, like, a pool party, right, like a youth pool party, standard activity, and a girl is wearing a two-piece, people will be talking shit about her and her mother for letting her wear such a thing. Like, the smallest misstep with what the church wants to portray as the correct way to live your life will put you out of step with everyone else around you and cause them to judge you and perceive you to be, like morally bad and I do I do sometimes wonder what if my life had been different and I could I could just believe these things I could just be happy um and like you said I realized that so many aspects of my life have only come from shedding the perception and the burden that I have to be a way that some old crusty white man says that I should be. Um, and there's enough crusty old white men telling women how to be anyway. I don't need another one. You know. Um I don't need an extra layer of judgment. Um, it is a. Like once you know that you are perceived as other. There is really no way to stop knowing. You know. Like once that once you've opened your eyes to the fact that you no longer belong, it is really difficult to put that back into the box. And I spent a long time trying to put that back into the box until I decided that it just, like, wasn't worth it anymore.
2: I want to just keep talking to you. So, but I have to... For the record, like, the
1: outfit that I'm wearing right now, like, this tank top... I, 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 I don't, you can't even imagine the passive aggressive white woman stares that I would receive. Actually, you probably can. I would get the most judgmental, like I, I tied up my shirt at girls camp and I'm wearing like high-waisted basketball shorts. So probably like an inch maximum of my, my, my torso is showing. And a leader was, like, sitting, like, a middle-aged white woman, and she's sitting at this picnic table, and she's like, we don't dress like that at girls' camp. And I had been, I was just trying to paint with one of the girls that I was in charge of that was in my level, and it deflated me so completely because it didn't matter what I was doing, right? It didn't matter that I was trying to help this girl who I thought was isolated. It mattered that you could see my torso, more than anything else, more than my character, more than my actions, more than anything that I said, was how I looked to this judgmental person who decided to say something and was enabled to do so by the church.
2: Well, we're going to have to probably leave it there. Otherwise, I feel like it'll be one in the morning and we'll just keep talking. So the fact of the matter is, Elise. Thank you for talking to me about all this. And, you of know, course. you and I, you and I, we will never stop talking we'll never. to each other. <laughs> we'll uh, never stop caring for people. Um, but I didn't actually. You, you never actually introduced yourself. So if you <laughs> want to do that as you um as you um, leave here, um, and then uh we'll sign off. So, because people are just like because because I didn't press record until we started talking, people don't know okay. who the fuck you are. So,
1: I mean, you, you know my name. That's pretty important. Um, I guess the relevant things to this conversation would be I grew up Mormon in the California Bay Area, which I know was not the Mormon Belt, and I know that people say that it is different in Utah, but I would argue still pretty bad. Um, I enjoy tattoos crochet being on twitter not x um (laughs) and i don't know i think that's all they i think they've learned enough about me to be honest i think i've said a lot
2: (laughs) yeah we'll make sure you come back all right folks thanks for listening i hope that this season treats everybody well Um, And we're getting into the fall now, so I hope everyone, if they're related to education, as many of the people who listen to this show are, have a good semester and everything. You can always buy the book. By the time this episode comes out, I will know whether or not my book is an award winner or merely a nominee, but I cannot say anything about it at this moment or for the next several episodes, because as ever, I record several before the season starts, so I don't have to stress myself out. At least, thank you for being here with of me course. this evening, and uh, everybody else, have a good night.
0: Okay. Uh, 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 I-, I just need to tell all of you I forgot to press record at the beginning of this call, so you you missed the first minute. You'll
2: figure it out though.